Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Okay, Erev Tov, everyone. Um, today, Bezat Hashem, we will finish the last halacha, halacha Yud Gimel of Klal Bet. We'll summarize it, and if there's enough time, we'll begin Klal Gimel. So he writes over here the final halacha about the Apet Lata. He says, Some say that Apet Lata was stated regarding someone who revealed to his friend, or, uh, revealed to his friend in the presence of three. Details of business or private matters. Generally, it would be forbidden for Shimon to share what Reuven told him with others. Less the disclosure of this information might be damaging or distressing to Reuven. However, now that Reuven has shared the information with Shimon in the presence of three, he indicates that he doesn't mind this information to be shared, even if his personal matter will be publicized. Therefore, in such a case, one who heard this from Reuven would be allowed to... Um, reveal Reuven's personal matters to others, provided that Reuven has not specifically stated that he objects to other people knowing. However, then Shimon can only rely on this uh, only if none of the other qualifications that we've said prior uh, are, are lacking. So scenario is brought over here at the bottom. Someone tells a group of friends that he tends to lose his temper with his children. Although he doesn't seem to be concerned about others knowing this and said it in front of three people, the listeners may not repeat the information because it will lower his reputation in others' eyes. However, say an older executive at a large company makes no secret of his difficulty with technology and often refers to himself as antique. If co-workers tell others about his quirk, they are not speaking Lashonara because the information is not inherently derogatory and he clearly does not care. Who knows? All right, so there would be the, uh, the final halacha with regards to uh, Klal Bet. So let's summarize Klal Bet as brought down very neatly here in the Sefer. Um, he starts number one, the more people who hear a speaker's Lashonara, the greater the sin is. Apetlata is the concept of halakha, treats what is known to a group of three people as public knowledge. Therefore, although a statement that can be interpreted as either complimentary or derogatory is prohibited as avakla shonhara, when such a statement is related to a group of three people in a non-derogatory way, it is permitted, since the speaker realizes that the report may reach the subject of the report. Number three, Lashon Hara, spoken to a group of three people, may be transmitted to other people, according to some opinions, since it is considered public knowledge and commonly known information is not included in the transgression of Lashon Hara. However, it may be related only if A, offhandedly, without intention to spread it further, B, by one of the original people who heard the account firsthand, C, as is with any embellishments, D, 
to a person who will not accept hearsay as fact, and E, to someone who lives in the same area who presumably would have heard it in any case. Four, even if all the above-mentioned conditions are satisfied, we may not relate to Lashon Haram if the report was unlikely to spread because the group of three people, A, included someone who is God-fearing and cautious with his speech, B, included a relative or close friend of the subject, or C, was warned by the speaker not to repeat what he said. Number five, if the Lashon Hara concerned a past event that the subject has since rectified, it's forbidden to repeat it even if it is well known at the time. Six, since this license is not universally accepted and many preconditions must be met, it's not proper to avail oneself of it. Seven, the license of Apeit Tlata does not permit a person to criticize a public speaker, even if all the preconditions were met, because such criticism is subjective and not factual. That's what we spoke about the last few days. And lastly, if someone reveals personal information in the presence of three listeners, he indicates to us that he does not mind if one of the listeners repeats it, limited by all the conditions that we said above. Okay, so that's a summary of Klal Bet. Let's go on to Klal Gimel. Halacha Aleph. Kama gadol isur lashon hara. How severe is this avera of lashon hara? She'asarato ha-Torah afilu alemet, that the Torah forbids it even on the truth. Ubekol gavne under all circumstances. Delo mibayem im hu someret asmoles apirala baseter. It goes without saying that this avera applies when the speaker, let's call him Reuven again, specifically speaks about the subject Shimon in private, behind Shimon's back. And it's particularly to make sure that this Lashonara that he said does not get back or be disclosed to Shimon because he is harming him that way. That obviously is Asur. This type of behavior, you would also be incurring upon yourself a curse. And this is the Arurim that we spoke about earlier when we started the book. Cursed is someone who strikes his friend uh, in secret. So he harms his friend Shimon by speaking negatively about him behind his back. That's Beseter uh, uh, in secret. Not only that, that's the obvious. Even if Reuven estimates, he thinks to himself, I would have no problem to say this in front of Shimon. I'm not, I'm not hiding behind it. If Shimon was here, I would tell him what I say. Or even if he actually says the Lashonara in front of Shimon, this account is also forbidden. And is, and is deemed Lashonara. Uh, uh, however, it seems that he probably wouldn't be subject to that curse because it's not done baseter, uh, it's done befanav. Uh, in a certain sense, the prohibition of speaking lashon hara in front of the person is worse than speaking it in his absence. The befanav, because when done in his presence, not only are you speaking lashon hara, who malbish et atzmo al bemidat ha'azut, that he is now uh, enveloping himself with the midah of brazenness and chutzpah. Chutzpah. Okay, we don't have And he causes more strife as a result of that brazenness and that chutzpah than it would have, than would have happened if not in his presence. Ve'kama pe'amim ba'al yedeze gamken lideh al banat panim. 
And more often than not, when you speak Lashon Hara in front of somebody to his face, you are uh, making him suffer humiliation, which is a horrible, horrible avera, terrible sin. Like we elaborated above in the Pticha, which is connected to the mitzvah uh, of do not bear a sin because of him. Ayin uh, uh, So there's a scenario over here um, that is um, <clears throat> that is brought here. A family is discussing the challenge of focusing during tefillah. The son relates how the father used to keep his cell phone open on the table in front of him until the shul installed cubbies for the phones. Although the father is present and the son is not telling the story behind his father's back, it is derogatory and embarrassing, which makes it lashon hara. And not only that, it violates kibud avaim in that in that situation. All right. So a person would be would be transgressing the uh, not not just the embarrassing his father lashon hara. The guy he didn't even do much. He was in front of him, but nevertheless he would also transgress that of kibud uh, avaim. How much time we have left? Two and a half minutes. Okay, let's do let's do one more. Umashinim salifamim halachabet. Umashinim salifamim heter bedivre chazal. That which we sometimes we find a license. Regarding speaking lashon hara, when one is convinced that he will not refrain from making this statement in the subject's presence, that is specific to a case of the dust of lashon hara. Okay, um, but that does not apply to something that is overly uh, negative or disparaging. It applies. Rather, when Reuven said something about Shimon, using terminology that could be understood in two ways, one positive and the other negative. If we were to interpret his words in a positive way, his words will not imply anything derogatory about Shimon, but if we were to interpret it in a negative way, then it would appear that he is disparaging Shimon. Now, is known that it all depends on the speaker's intention. And the way he expresses himself at that moment. If Reuven wants, he could express his remarks about Shimon in a very mild tone of voice, with gentle gestures. So nothing can be implied negatively about Shimon by his words or his body language. But if Reuven wants, he can express it with a totally different intent. That his words are meant to demean Shimon. Now regarding these scenarios, it's very difficult to give precise instructions de- detailing the exact way that Reuven is allowed to make these ambiguous statements. Therefore the rabbi said as follows, if Reuven makes these ambiguous remarks about Shimon in the way that, that of his gestures, that a person would not be embarrassed to, uh, to do so even when speaking in the presence of the person, then it's clear Reuven's intent is not to disparage Shimon because he would have said this in front of Shimon. It's an ambiguous statement and we're not going to worry about. Therefore, it would... Um, it would be allowed. But if it's evident from Reuven's gestures that his intent is to degrade Shimon, 
then, meaning it's such a way that it would be, uh, he would be embarrassed or be embarrassing for people to speak that way in front of their friend, then it would be forbidden for the event to speak, uh, to, uh, to say it. Even if the matter itself is only mildly derogative, uh, derogative okay, then, they reflect only a hint of lasonara, the huemet, and the remarks are true, but nevertheless it's still forbidden. So here they have a scenario here at the bottom. For instance, Mr. Goldstein says to his friend, Dr. Friedberg spends his entire day doing chesed. On its own, this remark would seem complimentary. Yet when made with certain facial and tonal expression, this remark conveys that Dr. Friedberg's priorities are misguided because he spends too much time on chesed and ignores his family responsibilities. Similarly, say Shimon, the hard-working owner of a small business, often works late. When he fails to show up at a wedding, his friend Levi explains, Shimon is doing what he always does, working. If Levi makes this ambiguous statement with a warm smile and does not mean it as criticism, it's not lasonara. If Levi makes the same statement while frowning, shaking his head, or in an annoyed voice, yeah, Shimon always doing what he wants, working, working, right? That way, then it would be forbidden. In either case, if the speaker would hesitate to make his remark in the subject's presence, it's avak lashon hara. And he ends halacha bet, even if Reuven is convinced that he personally would not hesitate to make this in Shimon's presence, it's forbidden because they're, saying they're being done in a way with negative connotations, which clearly shows that he is trying, or disparaging Shimon, although in a light way. We'll continue Bezat Hashem next time.